Hi there. I've got a quick question for you. Are you thinking about traveling somewhere? And if so, are you less likely to hop on a jet than before, back in those better times we all took for granted? I certainly feel that way. But today's guest just might have some suggestions that will get people out of their cities while remaining in their comfort zone. Joining me today is Jim Byers. He's a travel journalist who, like the rest of us, has adapted to the current reality. Jim, welcome. Thanks, Scott. Can you give us some background? How long have you been working in the travel field? Um, well, I mean, I dabbled a little bit when I was uh, uh, in the sports department at the Toronto Star. Uh, and then I became the travel editor in 2008. Uh, so that was full time starting then and have been uh, I left the star in 2013. Uh, so the last seven years have been freelancing for various publications, working for a number of websites, uh, Travel Pulse Canada, Canadian Travel News, L.A. Times. Anybody will pay me. I'll, I'll write for them. I don't care. Now, it, it's worth mentioning that you're based in Toronto, but you have dual Canada U.S. citizenship. What, what's the U.S. connection for you? Yeah, I, I born and raised in uh, in the states in uh, California, actually, uh, Northern California. So you know, twenty I, there twenty five years, uh, not quite half my life, but pretty close. And probably if you added up all the time I've been back between you know covering uh, sporting events for the uh, for the Star and and time that I go home, I try to go home. It's a little tougher right now, of course, with uh, quarantines for Canadians returning home and such, but uh, I spent a lot of time in California, a uh, great deal of time in Florida, New York, uh, Arizona, Hawaii, all over the place. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I spent at least six or eight weeks of the year uh, in the U.S., so uh, pretty much half my life, I'd say. Now, normally, how often would you be traveling during the year? Obviously, this year is very different, but what would a regular year look like for you? Yeah, I, normal year, Scott, I, I would say it's probably, you know, I, I guess like a lot of Canadians, you know, I, I try to uh, concentrate a lot of my uh, uh, travel in the winter to uh, to uh, get to sunnier, uh, warmer climes. So I would say in the winter, it's probably a third to half the time that I'm away. And in the summer, uh, maybe like one week a month at most. I try to be home as much as I can and, and enjoy uh, the uh, the summers here in Toronto. Um, and, and spring and fall are, are fairly busy. Fall especially, I find. Um, uh, a lot of Canadian publications and U.S. publications are kind of turn their, their eyes southward uh, in the fall. So tend to do a lot of Caribbean stuff kind of from August, September uh, through that period. And then again in the, uh, again in the spring. So the Caribbean is, is a really big part of things in the, in the fall and the spring. So I'd, I'd say roughly anywhere from a quarter to a, to a third of the year I'm on the road. What was it like for you when the pandemic hit? Did you have some travel plans that you had to, had to scrap? Uh, I had four trips to California. Thank you very much to see my dad. Uh, he's turning 89 in a, in a couple months. Uh, I miss him very badly. Uh, my sister, uh, my niece. Uh, I had one a month. I had it lined up so perfectly I couldn't believe it. They were all trips. You know, Air Canada had a couple of flights for me, and I think a cruise company had a, a flight. So I had four trips to San Francisco where, you know, half an hour from my dad's place. Uh, all got canceled and uh, a number of other ones as well to some Caribbean place. I don't really care about those. Um, and it's been a, it's been a really nice summer here in, uh, in Toronto. So I don't really miss the traveling. I just miss my family. 
what was that like for you though, given that you're you're so used to traveling? Yeah, it, it was an adjustment. You know, I, I gotta admit, like you have to keep it in perspective, I think, Scott. I mean, sure, I, I you know, poor me, I didn't get to travel, I didn't get to go to uh the Dominican Republic or or Mexico or, or San Francisco. Um yes, I missed my father, but my goodness, you know, there there were people, you know, hundreds of thousands of jobs lost. Uh, California alone has lost 600,000 jobs in the, just in hospitality, let alone, you know, maybe airlines and, and other uh, areas. So uh, it was strange, it was a little weird, and I'm, I'm a little restless right now. Uh, but I did a couple of smaller trips. I haven't left Canada, but I've done a number of trips to uh, uh, Muskoka Lake District, north of Toronto. I was in Montreal uh, for a couple of days last weekend and got like a one-day trip coming up to a winery. So I'm, I'm doing a little bit, trying to keep it going. Um, but it's, you know, and it also was kind of busy. I mean, I was doing a lot of work uh, for Travel Pulse Canada, you know, for a while there, if we remember back to you know, March and April, there was a lot of news coming out every day and airlines were canceling and people were being laid off and, uh, you know, government programs were being announced. So I was I was working sometimes 10, 12 hours a day just trying to keep up with all of the news of the day. So what? I didn't really have time to be uh, lonely or to, or to miss traveling too much. Do we, I mean, you just threw out some numbers from California. Do we have a sense globally on the impact of the pandemic on, on the travel I've seen I've seen numbers, Scott, up around um, a couple hundred million even of jobs around the world. Um, I haven't looked at the latest World uh, uh, Trade uh, World Travel and Tourism Council numbers, but last I saw, it was creeping up into the into the hundreds of millions. I mean, it's it's somebody asked me to describe it, and I said, you know, it's 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 SARS, the nine eleven, uh, the financial crisis of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, all rolled into one and multiplied by ten. Um, nobody has, has ever seen anything like this. Um, it's interesting, this week I was on a, a conference call with the U.S. Travel Association as a, uh, a new program that they're launching called uh, let's, let's, go, uh, let's, let's, let's Go Travel or something along, let's, go, let's Share Travel, I can't remember the exact name. And they were talking about somebody that does a happiness index, which I'd never heard of, but it's quite interesting. Uh, a woman, a researcher in New York named Michelle Geeland, and um, she said they, they do a study every year, and the American people are less happy now than any time in the last 50 years. Wow. Now, there could be a lot of, a lot of factors behind that, just as, as someone who keeps an eye on what's yes, happening there, there, in the United there, States. There could be any number of factors at play. <laughs> <laughs> With all of us locked down during that initial phase, where we couldn't really go anywhere, and even just a trip to the grocery store, you know, for some of us was kind of like, yikes. I think a lot of people are really desperate to get out and go somewhere again. Um, is the way that people travel changing? Because I'm guessing a lot of people don't want to hop on a plane and, and travel halfway around the world right now. Yeah, very much so, uh, Scott. You look at the numbers and it, it's pretty similar for the U.S. and uh, for Canada. Uh, TripAdvisor did a, a study again this week and it's something like three out of four people say they really only want to take a road trip. Um, you know, some people are willing to fly. Generally, it's kind of shorter distance. Maybe they want to go see family. Uh, for the most part, people are looking for, no surprise, outdoor experiences, uh, camping, uh, beaches, things along those lines. Uh, a lot of road trips. Goodness sakes, I did a, I did a story for uh, AARP magazine. Uh, association of retired people uh, in in March talking about you know RVs are going to be in big demand and 
goodness, by the end of April, I think they were all sold out. So all of these companies, RV Easy and all these different companies around uh, North America that were renting RVs just went crazy. You know, a, a friend of mine was working at a radio station and, and quit his job at a radio station to go sell uh, ATVs and boats because everybody wants to be out on, on the water or uh, out, out in the mountains or out in the desert somewhere where there's not a lot of other people around. So the, the way we have traveled has, has definitely changed. And, you know, the, uh, the TripAdvisor study uh, looked at the, I think, the 10 most popular spots in the U.S. for fall travel. And let's see if I can remember them. But uh, four were in Florida, so that kind of makes sense. Beach sort of destinations, including the Keys. Uh, two were in Arizona. Uh, then there was Savannah and Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. So there's like six or eight kind of sun, sun and sand kind of destinations. Uh, and then San Diego and I think Atlantic City, probably just because it's close to New York. So it, it is interesting. People are looking definitely for outdoors, socially distanced kind of places. Uh, you know, the RVs are great because you're in charge of the, of the Lysol, right? You, you decide how clean your environment is going to be, and there's nobody barging into your room to, to make the bed. Right. And it's, it's somewhere where you, where you have total control. Total control. Exactly. And you go where you want to go and you don't like that campground or it's a little bit too crowded. You can go on to the next one or pull over into Walmart if that's what you want to do. It's it's interesting that you raise the uh, the RVs and the campers because I was thinking, you know, there are probably despite the overall uh, way that this has hammered the travel industry, but there would be little pockets within that industry that are probably on the upswing as a result, and and the RV rental would be would be one of them. Yeah, for sure. Those those have done well. I've I've read other studies that claim um, that you know what, I, which makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Motels did very well during the, have done very well during the pandemic because people don't have to walk through a crowded lobby. Um, you know, they just open the door and they walk right into their room. So, you know, motels are kind of the old, uh, older style, two, three star, you know, maybe a quality inn or a comfort inn and suites, places like that, that, that aren't as big, aren't as crowded. Um, you know, of course, what's, what's really getting hammered is, uh, Scott, is, is the business hotels. Um, I, I've talked to hotel owners in, in big cities in North America. They're barely getting 10% occupancy. And it's not business people. It's mostly local travelers, maybe people taking their kids to start college or, or university. But, you know, the, the business travel, I, I have no idea when it's going to recover. But it is so bad right now. People are all on Zoom. They're all on, uh, you know, whatever other uh, social media sharing uh, situation they can find. Nobody wants to get on a plane. No executive wants to send one of their juniors, uh, you know, 12 or 14 hours. And, and it's a cost thing as well. Like people don't have any money. So uh, you can do uh, you know, so much of your business now on on programs like Zoom that that the business travel is really going to take a long time. And and that that is really bad news for, uh, you know, the, some of the Fairmonts and, and uh, Four Seasons of the world. Now, Four Seasons has got a number of resorts, so they're probably a little bit better off. I, you know, resorts and beachy places that are high-end can do pretty well. But if you're running a business hotel and you're counting on people, boom, 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 coming in day after day on that flight from uh, London to New York or, or uh, Vancouver to Los Angeles, you've got a lot of problems. Is it too early to assess how some of these resorts are adapting? I mean, obviously, they, they want to be in business. They're losing money. So they've tried to figure out ways to, to invite and encourage people to come back. But when you're at a resort... 
people tend to go to buffets. They tend to gather closely together. So how do they how do they handle those sorts of things? Yeah, I've, I've been on a number of calls and talked to a number of people in Jamaica, Barbados, and uh, hotel uh, hotel groups around the world, and uh, they've all brought in uh, pretty strict social distancing. Uh, you go into a hotel nowadays. There's sanitizer immediately. All the hotels I've been in, maybe six or seven in the last two or three months. There's usually been a plastic shield, so you're not directly interacting with the person. Sometimes it's all arranged in advance and you've got your uh, uh, a room key even on your phone. Um, there's you know signs on the floor, social distancing, two people per elevator. You can't get on an elevator with somebody you don't know that's not staying in your own room, was the case at one hotel I was at. Uh, that was very strict. Um, and, and when you talk about buffets, almost every... Uh, resort that I've talked to has eliminated the buffet. If they haven't eliminated it, what they've done is you can point and someone will serve you from behind the plexiglass, but you're not standing over the baked potatoes, breathing and, and you know, whatever you else you might be doing on, on the food or the uh, macaroni, whatever it is. So, you know, it, that has changed a lot. Um, they've, they've reduced the number just like they have at restaurants and patios, at least in some cases. Uh, not all that I've seen have been that, that, that strong about it, but uh, hotels and generally have, have reduced their capacity. They've reduced the number of, of people. Of course, it's easier to say we only will take 50% capacity if you're only going to get 10 or 15 to begin with, but they have reduced capacity generally. Uh, hot, uh, restaurants have done the same thing. The nice thing about a resort is generally most people are eating outside. So if you're going to a place in Mexico, it's probably a little bit easier or or uh, the Dominican Republic. It's, it's a lot easier to socially distance than it might be at a four-star restaurant in Manhattan. I'm guessing too, you know, often these resorts, they'll bundle people up in a minivan and take them on an excursion to a nearby town or to something in the jungle. Is that changing as well? Because certainly if I were at a resort, I would be probably a bit leery about jumping in a vehicle with a bunch of people I don't know. Yeah, I think all the places again that I've that I've heard uh, talk about this have said they're they're really reduced the number of people in those like little minivans uh, taking folks. It's like you know four six at a time or just your immediate family. So you're not crowding in there with you know uh, Joe and Dorothy from Pittsburgh or or you know Fred 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 and his wife from San Diego. You're you're getting in and and, and you're being taken care of in your own way. But of course you know these these things are not cheap and you know hotels and in resorts it's it's a double whammy for them because you know they're being asked to do things that cost them money at a time when they're earning less so you know it, it's very difficult and and you know there's there's different rules in place and, you know in jamaica for example you can go into the country but you have to stay within like this hotel corridor so there's different rules around the world uh there's different ways but yeah by and large uh, a lot of those like minivan excursion sort of things have been canceled and people are just kind of either arranging things on their own you know if you run a car again you're in charge of the environment and you can drive down the road or people are just staying at their staying at their own hotels i think the Bahamas this week said they're going to uh, start a VIP plan and it's vacation in place. So anyone that comes has to stay at the resort for 14 days. When you spoke a moment ago about business hotels, it, it dawned on me the number of conventions that have been canceled since this began. Uh, convention and, and uh, what they call the mice, you know, meetings and incentives, conventions, uh, events, just dead, dead, dead. dead. It, it's awful for those people. And if you've got a big convention space, you know, meeting rooms, it's going to be a long, long, long time before you, you, you get anywhere. I've talked to a few uh, companies who've done some very small meetings, maybe 10 people in a room that fits 40 or 50 normally. 
And again, it's it's just not sustainable, Scott. You can't you can't run a, a hotel on ten or twenty or even thirty percent occupancy. You're probably going to need fifty or sixty, and you also are going to need that that extra spending from from the restaurants, from the bars. You know, like a hotel bar is a wonderful thing. You know, and 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 I've been at a few in my time, and I'm not going to your bar anytime. I'll travel, sure. I'll go on an airplane. I'm not going in a hotel bar or a, any kind of a bar in the next couple of years, as far as I'm concerned. So those conventions uh, spaces are just getting hammered. All the big conventions, uh, and you know the, the the sad thing is, it's you know I, I've talked to some people, and every once in a while somebody will say, "Well, yeah, that's too bad. It's just a bunch of rich guys. You know, the guy who owns Marriott's not making any money." I'm like, "Yeah, but." My goodness, there's thousands and thousands of, of workers and, and, you know, hundreds of workers at the, uh, the uh, New York Hilton Times Square uh, closed just a couple of days ago. Permanently closing, they said. Well, there's, there's several hundred workers. There's cleaners. There's, there's plumbers. There's electricians. There's painters. There's front desk people. There's bellmen. There's valets. Uh, all of these people, you know, and a lot of these are minimum wage jobs that are disappearing. And it's a really terrible terrible situation. Uh, so it, it's not just, uh, you know, some rich guy in, in uh, uh, upstate New York, you know, who, who, who's, who's not making any money uh, on his stock dividends. It's, it's everyday people that are just getting hammered all across the country and all across the world. A moment ago, you mentioned that you would get back on an airplane. It's obviously a personal decision for everyone, but why are you confident that getting on a plane would be safe? Well, I, I, maybe it's just because I, I just I love to travel so much that I'm <laughs> I'm willing to overlook it. But you know, I I, I have been on a couple of uh, one flight actually, two flights to and from uh, Montreal. Um, the airlines have now how accurate their numbers are, I don't know, Scott. But all of the airline executives that I've talked to, and I've talked to them a lot, um, they've got these HEPA or HEPA filters. Uh, taking out anywhere from 99 to 99.5% of particulates that are in the air. Uh, when I went on Air Canada, they had a Clean Care Plus program with uh, wipes and sanitizers and gloves and masks. Um, they're very strict about social distancing. I had my temperature taken before I got on board the plane. I know that's not completely accurate, but uh, you know they're all things that, that airlines are doing. I, I would be more comfortable, as you mentioned, getting into that minivan with 12 other people and going to the resort. That would make me personally much more uncomfortable than being on an airplane. Um, now, would I want to go on a really crowded plane for 12 hours? Probably not. Would I do a four-hour flight to go see my dad? Yes, I would. When I think back to the beginning of all this, we had several cruise ships at sea, and a couple of those ships had terrible numbers of infections. And every time I turned on the news, it would be another 50, another 70 people have uh, tested positive. What do you think this will do to the cruise sector going forward? I mean, most most cruises have been canceled pretty much around the world through the end of this year. So you're looking at nine months, virtually almost you know three quarters of the year gone for the cruise industry, just wiped out. Um, a couple of small ones were operating, I think, in Norway and like entirely within Germany, but very, very, very small. Uh, the CDC in the U.S. has pretty much banned all cruises uh, leaving the United States, and that's where most of them do tend to leave from, you know, Texas and, and especially Florida, uh, as well as New York and California. So those are all gone. The cruise industry, you know, the, the, the one thing I will say, you know, the average person looks at the cruise industry and says, oh, my goodness, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going anywhere near that. But you got to remember, cruise lovers are a different breed. They are a very 
loyal, very dedicated. They go on the same cruise ships. They stay with the same line because they get their loyalty points and they get, you know, the captain's dinners and, and all the other little goodies and the upgrades and everything. I think cruise people who really love to cruise will cruise if they feel that the health and safety regulations are being looked at. Again, the cruise ship people that I've talked to, the buffets are gone. Um, they are limiting the number of people. They're not doing uh, the crowded uh, nightclub uh, acts and and uh, and Broadway shows that that they used to. Um, and you know you can uh, distance yourself fairly easily on a large cruise ship if it's not terribly crowded. Um, I don't know what the numbers are. I, I think I saw the other day that uh, Scott that Disney told someone from the port of Galveston, Texas, that they were going to limit their uh, numbers to 70% of normal capacity. For some people, that might be too much. You know, I, that's not a terribly low number. Um, and then, you know, you, you find it, to, and it really varies too. Like it was, it was really interesting. And I was in Niagara Falls recently, and uh, uh, on the U.S. side, they were at about, I think they were at about 50% of capacity on the ships that go to the base of Niagara Falls. The Canadian ships were about 15%. Um, so, you know, if I think if the cruise ships in general reduce their capacity and 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 bring in uh, lots of social distancing and, and, and health cleaning measures, and they will have tons and tons of people wiping down every surface you can find, and even some you can't. Um, I think there will be a reasonable number of cruises that return just because they're so passionate about it. Now, obviously, any country that relies on tourism has been hit by this, but I'm guessing that the impact might be even greater for poorer countries or countries that don't have robust economies in other sectors and rely so heavily on, on tourism. It, are there any countries you've heard of that are particularly hurting as a result of this? Um, well, I mean, certainly there, there are certain uh, states like Hawaii has been completely just devastated. Um, uh, I actually have relatives who have a place on the island of Lanai, which is owned by Larry Ellison of, of Oracle. And, and uh, Mr. Ellison had been paying his employees up until I think August 1st and finally decided even he didn't have enough money to pay everybody on the island. So tourism is I, almost the entire industry on, on the island of Lanai. And it's certainly the largest industry in the state of Hawaii. In the Caribbean, it's often, you know, sometimes 50 or 60 percent of an island's uh, gross domestic product comes from tourism. The Caribbean is is known generally to be the most tourism dependent country in the world. But you know, even I think something like 10% of the jobs in in North America or Canada are tourism related. So, you know, it's not an insignificant not insignificant even for, you know, places like Idaho or or uh, Arkansas. And you know, if you're in New York City, you're losing tourism business, you're losing leisure business, you're losing all of that convention business in, in the big cities, the Miamis, the New Yorks. Uh, but I would say if there's one region that's been hit the hardest for sure, it would be uh, it would be the Caribbean. Australia and New Zealand very badly hit. They pretty much closed their borders. But, you know, even France and Germany and a lot of places in, in Europe, they rely very heavily on tourism in the summer and the numbers have been minuscule. Now, many of us, might just think, you know what, I'm not going to travel anywhere until this is all over. But I'm guessing by the same token, since many of these resorts want to attract people back right now, that there are probably some deals out there. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there were, I saw a couple of airline deals. 
uh, pop up in my email this week. Um, this call that I was on, this U.S. travel call this week, uh, one of the heads of, of Marriott International was saying, guys, this is, a, this is a great time to book. There's great deals to be had uh, from the airlines, great deals from the resorts, uh, vacation packagers uh, have great deals to the sun. And it's also a, a very flexible time. Uh, United, uh, Delta, and American uh, just even in the last week or so, all eliminated change fees for, if not all of their flights, got most of their flights. So you don't have the change fees that you used to, so it's a lot more flexible. Um, and uh, the hotels are allowing people sometimes to, to cancel up till 4 o'clock or even later uh, on the day of a, of a hotel stay. So, yeah, there are great deals right now. Even if you're not comfortable with getting on a plane or a cruise ship, I understand that. Uh, and there are cruise deals too, of course. But, you know, even if it's just you know, fly, driving, you know, a couple hours to a city or a small town that doesn't usually get a lot of tourism, you know, and that's, that's, that's not a bad thing to do. Um, the head of uh, Visit California on this call I was at was saying, you know, it's an act of patriotism, kind of strong, but an act of patriotism to get out there and travel and, 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 and support people. And, you know, she's right from, from her standpoint with the number of jobs that have been lost. I think I said 600,000 just in hospitality in California alone. So, uh, you know, anything you can do to go out there and support a restaurant or a little mom and pop kind of motel, those are the people that I really feel sorry for. Maybe I should feel sorry more for the for the for the big change of the world, but I, I to me I, I it, it breaks my heart when I see you know a, a little mom and pop place in Vermont or uh, you know the maritime provinces of of Canada and you know especially places where the weather is not great year round and they really need to pack everything into a summer virtually a total write off the entire year for just hundreds and hundreds of of, of small operations all around uh, North America and it's 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 nothing short of heartbreaking it's just it's just off I I can totally picture that when I think of all the restaurants and small businesses that I've seen close in my in my own neighborhood and then realize that of course for many people this is their small business. Jim, this sound you have not heard before unless you've listened to one of my other podcasts and I certainly hope hope you have, but this sound means we are at the final phase of our chat and I'm going to ask you a few quick questions and I am just looking for a few quick answers. What country have you not visited that's high on your list? Cambodia. What country that you have visited would you say has been the most memorable for you? I would say Tahiti, although technically it's part of France. Uh, but I will, so I'll, 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 say, I'll say France slash Tahiti because I'm, uh, I'm a big beach guy and, and uh, I love the water. I don't want to get you in trouble here, but I would like to know what's your favorite airline? I'm a pretty loyal Air Canada guy. Uh, I've had a lot of membership with them with their airplane over the years. So, and they do fly from Toronto to San Francisco direct. So that's my cop out. I, it's only because of my dad. What's it like holding U.S. citizenship, having U.S. family members? And this has been clearly a remarkable year. But what's it been like to watch all of these events unfold from here in Canada? Uh, it's sad. The only word I can say is it's very hard to take. Um, regardless of whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you know, to see the country divided the way it is, Scott, and to see the, the acrimony and the bitterness uh, and the division, you know, people can't even agree on whether to play football, for gosh, gosh sakes. You know, it, it's completely, it's completely crazy, and it's so disappointing to see. And, 
you know, I try to avoid politics every once in a while. I'll say something on my Facebook page and, and I immediately regret it because it just, it doesn't help. So uh, if we could somehow get past all of this and, and get to a little bit better time in the, in the U.S., it would make uh, a lot of us around the world a lot happier. What are you really looking forward to doing when this is all over that you can't do now? You know, just just the mere act of getting off a plane and 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 not knowing exactly what what I'm going to do. Um, it's fun to plan things. It's fun to have an idea. I'm going to go on this hike, but I miss that spontaneity of you know driving down the road in Ireland and thinking, you know, where does that road go? And then finding this cool castle and these beautiful horses parading in the fog, and uh, you know, just that. I think the spontaneity more than anything else of of just being able to get up and go. And and uh, uh, one of the things I heard in this happiness report was that you know even the mere act of planning travel makes people substantially happier. You know, they're thinking about things, they're comparing notes, they're talking to their relatives, and it just, you know, whether it's endorphins or something, but it just, it just makes people happy to have something to plan for. And it, and it brings a certain level of certainty in a, in a very uncertain world. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Jim Byers, thank you so much for sharing your inside story today. My pleasure. Thanks, Scott. If you'd like to read more by Jim, and and actually you probably haven't read anything by Jim unless you've been to his website before, you'll find his work at https canadiantravelnews.ca. And if you're in the U.S., don't worry, Jim is often writing about U.S. and international destinations. If you're one of the many whose livelihood has been negatively affected by the travel downturn, we feel for you, and we trust things will turn around soon. It's still a beautiful world, and one worth exploring when this is all wrapped up. I'm Scott Simi, and you've been listening to Inside Stories. The views expressed here are those of the participants, and not those of Bank of Montreal its affiliates or subsidiaries.